you know, to honestly, I'd just like to thank her for her interest. Uh, we don't accept advertisers, especially ones that think we're a boat. This is Beers with Hallows. Threats, Beers, and Hallows. Welcome or welcome back to Beers with Talos. This is episode 109. Today is July the 12th, 2021. Recording on a Monday today. I am joined as always by Matt Only, Joel Essler, and Craig Williams. Today, we want to talk about Kaseya. Obviously, Kaseya is the big thing that is on everybody's mind. So we I want don't, to... No, I don't want to. No. No. I'm tired of talking about it. I've done nothing but talking about Kaseya for like the last nine days straight. Kaseya. Actually, wait, I don't think Joel wants to either, actually. I don't think Joel wants to talk about much of anything today. He has a face. We're going to hate. Just the audience. We're giving Joel a pass today. We so are definitely giving hear Joel from, a pass. He's here in spirit. I'm present. Yeah. But if you don't hear much from him, that's okay. We got him. Present. Yeah, We want to start today off the same way we start off every podcast. We want to go around the table, get an opening shot, opening thought from everybody. And Matt, actually, you're up first, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys a quick bit about my weekend, if that's okay. Mm. Yeah. Given Joel's... uh, You're the host. You can do whatever you want. That's fair. (laughs) Everybody knows I love to fish, but I don't know if you guys are familiar with with what's going on down in Florida right now, since uh, we have a massive red tide in the bay. So you cannot really fish in the bay because it's just dead fish everywhere. It's so, easy to fish in the bay. You should be like pulling in like hundreds of fish. It's really simple, yeah. But uh, so you basically you have to go way offshore right now if you want to go fishing and have hopes of catching anything that you you know would eventually like to eat. Correct. Uh, so we got up yesterday at about four a.m. Got to the boat ramp out by six, and uh, I packed my lunch, but didn't realize that we would be chasing cobia way, way, way out into the Gulf all day. We ended up about 50-ish miles offshore, which if you're in a 23-foot boat is a long way to go. Uh, Man, the first thing I thought was like, oh, he's in international waters. (laughs) (laughs) Those stories don't get told on the podcast, Matt. Come on. Was your buddy like, hey, guys, uh, look to the left side while I drag this cooler in. No big deal. So uh, I, I got home last night. Uh, by the time I got home, it was about, about 8 o'clock at night. And I smashed an entire large pizza. <laughs> I have not done that since college. But I literally ate an entire large pizza last night. I'm not proud of myself, but I'm a little proud of myself. I think you should be, yeah. I mean, you're proud enough to tell the seven people that listen to this podcast. Right, exactly. Uh, that's the truth. That's the truth. Uh, Matt. What is on your mind this week? Mitch went on a boat away away and away. then came back and ate a pizza. Good call. That's an exciting story. Well, you're the one that chose to tell it. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't mean you to choose to tell it too, Matt. And now you're, well, you took my spot. So I figured. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know I wasn't just getting your hopes up artificially and Craig is actually the first one up? When you say getting my hopes up, how do you think I react when you say, Matt, you're first up? (laughs) Do you think little butterflies erupt out of my heart and I'm like, oh, goody? Well, no, but they do erupt out of mine. Your saltiness (laughs) is constantly being first. Um, Awesome. I have been playing Grand Theft Auto online. Okay. And as bad as the community is in Rainbow Six Siege, that is how bad the network instability code of <laughs> Grand Theft Auto Online is. It is the worst coded, popular, billion-dollar IP I have ever interacted with. It is astonishingly bad. There are hackers everywhere. It crashes I mean, that's the thing. all the time. You lose progress all the time. Like, if it wasn't a venue for me to hang out with my boys, I would have no time for it. It is crap. I mean, that's the thing. Like, when you sit immediately, like, it crashes trying to play it, I'm just like, oh, so you can cheat like crazy. Well, like, <laughs> like, like, he goes so much so that they don't call them <laughs> hackers. They call them modders. 
<laughs> so like I'm stand, I I I go into the to the ammunition to get a bulletproof vest because I'm low on bulletproof vests and people keep shooting me. And all of a sudden, I turn into a campfire and burn to death. And then I find out everybody on the server had conveniently all at the same time just converted into a campfire and burned to death. And that is that is gameplay in Grand Theft Auto Online nowadays. Well, I mean, Matt, how long have they even had this? Like, give them some time to work the bug out, right? 2013. <laughs> you could have played this on a PS3. Yeah. yeah. I don't even remember what that looked like. Greg, what's on your mind this week? Man, you know, I had a long weekend. My kid is sick, not with anything serious, but it's weird having a kid with like a regular cold now because, you know, yeah, you're always just like, hey, you're not dying, right? Right, sweetie? Okay, great. <laughs> it's, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, I could totally see that. I could totally see that. How about you, Joel? Man, I spent four days in Nashville, Tennessee. It was fantastic. <laughs> uh, I ate all the things, I'm f- and and I and I consumed a lot of the beverages as well when I was there. Um, however, uh, so thank you, Nashville, for your hospitality. I had a great time. However, I would like to say that while I was out, I received an email, and I like to give a shout out to the person who wrote this email. Her name is uh, Megan Watson. Hi, Megan. And she's a salty sea gal that is interested in advertising opportunities (laughs) on one of our websites. And I would just like to say to the salty sea gal who opened her email with, Ahoy there, matey. Permission to come aboard. By spelling Ahoy. Wait, wait, wait. A-H-O-I. Oh, Oh, that's not acceptable. Uh, she does not have permission to come aboard. Is she and advertise asking permission or is she giving you permission? Oh, no. She's asking if she could advertise on one of our public Did she websites. In permission to come aboard with a question mark or a period? Uh, permission apostrophe TA come aboard question mark. Wow. Yeah. Is it written in the form of a sea shanty or anything? No, but she's a salty seagull, so says the subject line. Why is that her pitch? Wait a Look, second. Did wait, you she wants to advertise, wait, she wants to advertise on Beers with Talos? No, no, it's on one of the websites. And I just, I just, you know, to honestly, I just like to thank her for her interest. Uh, we don't accept advertisers, especially ones that think we're a boat. So, you know. Uh, she's apparently a pirate. And uh, I think what I'll do, gentlemen, is I'll forward this email to beerswithtalos at cisco.com. And you Make sure you can. include her email. Like, like, reply to her, but include the Beers with Talos and be like, we don't on our web properties, but we do have a podcast. Yeah, I'm not... <laughs> I don't think I'm that witty today. I'm going to leave that one to you. I just, I just told that you one what to do. You don't need any witty. No, not. <laughs> so anyway. That's Joel Esler, coward. Wait. Mm-hmm. That's oh, there's no, so I, much about this now seeing it that's even worse. But is it, in, is it in our little email box? Where did I, did I delete that email? Where did it go? No, I, I mean, specifically saved that, it for for that might have been the best move though is to delete it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, she was successful in her intent, just not yep. in the outcome, right? Oh, she correct. Caught, she she caught was attention. Yeah, like Top I, I had two separate conversations about this email because it didn't just go to you, right? Right. <laughs> so and I and it didn't go to me, but I heard about it. So like, if she had managed to reach someone who was going to entertain advertising. She would have been wildly successful. It's all about that call to action, Matt. Getting the attention is only the first part. What's her, I mean, I mean, so she got our, her, she had our attention, but not our action. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yes. Cause she also definitely had my curiosity, but not action. That is, (laughs) Sorry, I was laughing off of something that you put earlier. 
Today, we want to talk about the thing that we have been talking about, that everybody has been talking about. The internet has been talking about nonstop for a couple weeks, and that's uh, Kaseya. But we don't want to just talk about the attack itself, right? We want to kind of dig in a little bit. We, we did a great live stream last week. If you'd like to know uh, any of the details of uh, the attack, what it means to businesses, stuff like that, we're going to touch on that today. But what we want to really dig into is some of the other things that kind of laid underneath and, and take a closer look at this kind of BWT style. <laughs> Sorry. The, the, yeah, I was going to say the thought of BWT style sounded amazing. <laughs> uh, so, Craig, let's start off talking about the AV exclusions and some of those issues that lay beneath that. You had some thoughts on there and I wanted to kick it off talking about that. Yeah. Um, so before we dive too far down the rabbit hole, I do want to mention the fact that this is not that uncommon, right? Uh, it's definitely not a best practice, but I've heard about it before. I've personally seen it before. So having a piece of software that recommends disabling your security software is a thing that happens. Now, um, well, there's a lot of different reasons why. I think in this particular case, it was probably because they were concerned about the software being detected by antivirus engines, and that could be because of the way that um, the libraries are loaded, or you know, potentially even potential signature matches inside of the DLLs. And so there's you know a decent amount of software that'll say stuff like this. Usually, it's from small vendors. And I have a feeling the reason they do it is because they never know what screen the user is going to have to click through, right? Now, if you think about this from a user perspective and you're writing the manual, it's pretty difficult to figure out what could pop up. And so I think in order to get around that, they'll say, hey, look, go disable your antivirus engines, go disable your firewall. Bad advice. <laughs> you know, uh, if you were a Cisco AMP for Endpoints customer, you know, it would have detected this and blocked it. And I'm sure there are other antivirus engines that are the exact same way. However, if you had followed the steps in the manual and disabled it, you might not have re-enabled it. Or you might have added an exclusion, which I think was in there as well. So when advice like this is given for compatibility's sake, I think it's something that, you know, you need to sit back and really think about, is that something you want to do? And should it even be in the manual? You know, I, I guarantee you almost every single endpoint detection technology these days has uh, an ignore button. You know, do your installer, click ignore if it flags anything. And if it continues to be a problem, go figure out why. Don't ever just blanket accept something. And this is even more true in this day and age when we're seeing supply chain attacks multiple times a year through software exactly like this. So I want to ask a question. Clarifying question there, is this, are we talking about shutting off the firewall or shutting off the AV software completely? Is, is that what you're saying? The instruction manual is kind of... Effectively. I think it said to set up an exclusion, but yeah, you're basically saying don't scan the install folder. Uh, whatever binaries are concerned here, are, are these the same ones that are actually used by Nefaria software or is saying allow this particular software package still an okay thing like how specific would you have to be with your exclusion i guess is my question yeah. yeah that would depend on exactly how it alerted which is going to be different for every piece of software and and this is exactly why in the kaseya manual they said to just disable it right they didn't want to deal with this they didn't want to tell you how to run your av properly and i'll be the first one to admit this can be difficult right all the different software out there is all going to have a slightly different interface that's going to all say different things there's not a great way to handle this other than write your software so that it doesn't produce false positives, right? Or even potentially true positives, depending on exactly what the alert is, right? For all we know, it could be loading the update in a way that's sketchy and that certain software rightfully flags as sketchy. What about from the software publisher's perspective, though? Like, how many vendors would they have to reach out to to get whitelisted? How many, you know, how, how, like, <laughs> well, I don't vendors think vendors should never whitelist <laughs> yeah. software. There we go. I don't think that's the solution either, right? Because in supply chain attacks, the software is not always safe, right? Instead, if something alerts, you actually need to do some legwork and figure out why, and then figure out the best way to deal with that situation. You should never say just blanket allow ever, even if you download right. it from the vendor site, even if you're reasonably sure it's fine. 
you need to look into it a little bit and make sure that it's fine. Because like we saw with Sea Cleaner, like we saw with Solar Winds, like we saw with Kaseya, supply chain attacks happen and they happen using trusted providers. I mean, the advice from an MSP to disable a firewall is disconcerting enough <laughs> from any MSP. I mean, this isn't specifically a Kaseya thing, but for any any vendor, it is kind of disable or disconcerting. Just to be clear, Kaseya didn't advise to to disable firewall. It was just AB exclusions. But there have been, but uh, Craig's Craig's examples are for other software that are like, you know. You should turn a firewall off for this. Yeah. Well, and they advise to turn off like a data execution prevention too and real-time scanning. And, and they said, remember to re-enable these when installation is complete, which I'm sure people have remembered. <laughs> but I'm sure not everybody. Yeah, no. No, it's, it's, there's a lot of, I, like, like if this was one thing about Kaseya, we'd be like, okay, this is the one thing. But there's, like, so much coming out about the company and, and the security issues that are internal to Kaseya that are questionable. Like, this is just a pattern. You know what I mean? We're gonna- yeah, you know, I, I think when I look at a situation like this, I understand when small vendors have advice like this in their manual for small and medium business who may not have a security staff, who may not even have a full-time sysadmin staff, and they're just trying to give you advice to get it set up so that they can come in and help. I certainly can understand that. But I think having this as a best practice inside of the manual is something that really should be reconsidered. If we're in an environment where the adversaries are constantly... Um, using what uh, to, to to hide what they're doing, using what appear to be legitimate techni- techniques, using uh, legitimate processes to kind of hide their activities in the workflow. Uh, what's what's the end game there? So, I mean, if you can't uh, say, listen, this is management software, and this seems to happen often with management system management software specifically, because it is attempting to do things that would look a lot like an attacker trying to control or reconfigure a system, right? Fun how that works, right? (laughs) So what's the answer? I I think the real solution here is to call your vendor and find out why they want to advise that and have them walk you through not doing that. You know, um, I, I think the thing here is you need to recognize one size fits all solutions and understand if you're comfortable with that. If you don't have an IT department, maybe that is the best call, right? I mean, Certainly, the number of supply chain attacks compared to like regular attacks against unpatched servers are going to be smaller, right? Shrink that attack surface. Um, so I, there's not a great solution here, you know. And I think the best thing that you can do is to ask questions. If you don't understand something, ask why. Call and ask. They have a tech support line, you know. Maybe they can walk you through how to do it with your AV software. And I want to be. I want to clearly reiterate a point that you made, Craig. And that is, um, if this, you know, that, that protection hadn't been turned off, there would have been an alert on the malicious D on the malicious update file is what you're saying. Uh, he may not be saying that I'll say that. So traditional AV (laughs) performed very well against this attack. Um, so talking to my peers and other companies and other researchers, like everybody had this. Like if you if you were running AV, you know whatever. Like a like a heuristic based detection or uh, no? Like 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 we know this is bad, bad, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, I liked how I liked how uh, one of Craig's guys put it, a service supply chain attack, um, because they you know it it's complicated. <laughs> so they used <laughs> so they, here's why here's why. Um, in the past, they would deliver something that would then pull the bad stuff generally, um, via an update. And so in this case, they kind of use the capabilities of the managing server to do that. So they used an agent update call to deliver the file, but then they forced a job to run the PowerShell to decode that file. So it wasn't fully an update, kind of a traditional update where you deliver an update that's bad. They just send an update that's packaged 
with a whole bunch of bad crap. So it's a, I like Craig's Craig's guy has called it a service uh, supply chain uh, attack. I get it. You know, I, I agree with that kind of uh, description of it. Yeah, I think this kind of thing is probably more common than we are aware of. Why do you say that? I think there's a lot of small vendors out there that don't have great visibility from a global perspective. And if something is compromised, you may not even notice. I think there's a lot of larger vendors out there that may have the same problem, actually. Well, the thing with ransomware, right? Going all the way back to years ago, when we were discussing it in 2016 and before, you notice ransomware. You know, for every piece of ransomware that's deployed, you notice it. That's the big difference. It's not that it wasn't necessarily getting owned beforehand. It's just that whatever they were doing was a little bit sneakier, maybe. Didn't end system usefulness. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, assuming this doesn't happen often isn't something we have the luxury of doing, right? Let's assume that if there are vulnerabilities in software, bad guys are looking for them. Let's assume that supply chain is incredibly attractive. Let's assume that services supply chain is potentially even more attractive because for every single one you can hit, you get an even higher payout. That's fair enough. I know we have some other information we want to talk about with regard to how companies and their end users, service providers and their end users can protect themselves. But I wanted to touch real quick on the actual O'Day that led to this attack in the first place. And again, to reiterate, the end users were not hit with an O'Day type attack. It was what you guys were calling a, a service supply chain attack. The initial attack was not against Kaseya. The initial attack was against MSPs that Kaseya supplied software to. Kaseya was never attacked. Yeah, the VSA software. At least software. we don't know that they've been attacked. But That's the real answer. two victims, two victim sets here. One victim set is the MSPs themselves. And then the second victim set is the the uh, customers of the MSPs that were ultimately ransomed. Um, so in the attack against the MSPs, uh, they used uh, CVE 2021-30116, which was disclosed to Kaseya on April 6th. Uh, Kaseya patched that in their software as a service offering on June 26th and announced that they would be patching it in the server on July 7th. And on July 2nd, the attack was executed using that zero day. Okay, let me make sure I understand what you just said real quick. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, no direct attack against Kaseya. Their customers were the ones that were hit with, with O'Day. It was not a top level. They hit the second level in that branching tree downward to the end customers and hit presumably more than one of them. Is that a fair assessment? Uh, Kaseya acknowledged something like up to 40 affected MSPs, I want to say. I may be wrong on that. Um, so those MSPs, MSPs were breached after Kaseya was essentially no. Or excuse me, Kaseya was notified of the vulnerability, patched their online version in a pretty quick amount of time. Uh, within but, the, just about exactly within the ninety day window. But they said that they were waiting another several weeks, or having an, it would take another several weeks to patch the on premise version of their software. And within yep. that window, post announcement that's when those MSPs were hit with O'Day. Five days before the patch was to be to go out and the holiday weekend before that patch went out. Which, of course, it happened over a holiday weekend. Don't these things always, but... Yeah. Craig took vacation. It's his fault. Oh, no. I, I had actually gone to dinner, and as I was paying, Marshall called me, and I was like, oh, perfect. <laughs> Yeah, those of you that don't get that joke, every time Craig goes on vacation, something happens on the internet. So, Hey, and I'm off Friday, so heads up, guys. <laughs> exactly. Too late now. You won't get this before that Friday. Yeah. <laughs> the world won't know. That's why it takes so long to get these podcasts out. It's security through obscurity, like as far as Craig's concerned. Like we have to wait until all accidental information is expired to... Seems reasonable. It, I, I was really impressed with the team's turnaround on this one. You know, uh, a lot of these, yep. a lot of these type of events really mask how many different hands touch the data, touch the product, mm -hmm. touch the coverage and the documentation and everything. And 
I got to tell you, you know, it's like a well-oiled machine now. I mean, we went from, you know, getting coverage, worked on, giving my team a heads up to something out, I want to say within 47 minutes. So I thought that was pretty good. And then obviously we continued to work on it and added to things as we learned more and modified things as we learned more. Um, but overall, just the work, the speed, and the efficiency we had inside of Talos when we had to address this was just really impressive. I would I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, and I know from the more like the, the, the public side of the notification window, we had uh, roughly, let's see, everybody came back from their long weekend. And your team was, Craig, uh, was first to jump in with our team and try and put some type of more public, broad-based notification together. And it, within coming back to work, I think it was just under 24 hours later, we were able to produce a live stream with Nick from your team. And our good friend, Hazel Burton, who stepped in last minute to help out with that. And they were able to get that message out to over almost 6,000 people within 24 hours. Hazel's incredible. Also stepping in for that was Hazel's cat. Yes, Hazel's yeah. cat did <laughs> make a guest a good, appearance. Always a good, yeah. Yeah. Hazel's cat is not to be awesome. ignored. I don't know if you've... Well, uh, clearly not, or he will terminate your telecommunications connections in the middle of your live that's, broadcast. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I got to admit, though, I was kind of impressed how smooth uh, Social Live kicked right back in, you know? Uh, a lot of those pieces of software are kind of sketchy about that. Uh, Craig, do you want to talk a little bit about the O-Day itself? Or let's talk about how O-Days get involved in this and, and maybe use some examples from this case study, right? This is uh, the O-Day that hit the MSPs was something that yeah. had been uh, known and was well, actively I, being worked on, right? Yeah, I think there's a couple things here to look at, right? I mean, we know the vulnerability was disclosed and Matt just talked about the timeline a second ago. And I think everyone's knee-jerk reaction was, well, this means Kaseya was hacked. Uh, and to be clear, it might, right? I think what a lot of people don't realize is how often vulnerability collisions happen. You know, and what a vulnerability collision is, is when, you know, there's teams looking for zero days. And of course, given the massive number of companies out there now. Looking for vulnerabilities. Yeah, looking for vulnerabilities in software to make zero days to either report or sell or whatever they do with them, right? We have a team at Talos that does that, and we work with vendors to coordinate disclosure and get things patched for our users. But there are other groups out there that don't do such benevolent things, right? They, they try to find these for potentially bad reasons, and that could be what happened here. So I think it's important that everyone realize that that is actually a real thing. It happens to us a couple times a year, like more than you'd think. I would even say a couple times a quarter. Yeah, sometimes. it totally happens all the time. And that's totally what happens here. Except it also happened five days before the actual patch came out on the Friday afternoon before a long holiday weekend in the U.S. Yeah, it's totally, uh, it's totally a vuln overlap. I mean, do you think that they knew what the patch schedule was going to be? Yes, they why? do. It was yeah, announced. It was published. Okay, there you go. Yeah. They were so like, I mean, your way, O-Day are... expires on July 7th. Better use it right. now. Better and they were like, now. oh, okay, sounds like we're going to use it. Oh, look, July 4th's coming up. Convenient, even. My point was more to dispel the rumors that people had compromised Kaseya and were sitting there watching the code diffs or something. And again... That may be the case, but the fact that the zero day existed and was used is not really proof enough of that at all. It's not proof, you know? but I say it's more likely than code collision. You know what? I, I think I I think we don't know, right? I, I, well, neither that's why one I said is, likely and not is. I mean, it's true. No, it's true. It's you know, it's I. We don't know. We may never know. We certainly and hopefully don't. there yeah. And and it's it could have been code collision, it could have been it could have been vulnerability collision, it could have been they're sitting there watching the diffs. But you know what they did know? The public schedule. And they but, knew that they had to burn it. But that doesn't tell you that your that, collision yeah. is C V E whatever three zero one one six. Yeah. You don't know that's, that that's the patch coming. All you know is a patch is coming. Is the it, reason you know it's your right. patch coming is if you have if you're watching inside the knowledge. Code. Yeah. Right. So here's there's well, been there's been two major security incidents this year, three major security incidents in the last eight months. Two of them involve this exact thing. Hafnium had the exact same thing happen. 
Mm-hmm. And if I if I were Kaseya, if I were if I were the if if Kaseya has a CISO, if I were the CISO of Kaseya, I would be in a panic right now, tearing through that network looking for somebody, because it, it's either there or over on on the cert side that disclosed it. But like that timing doesn't make any sense on the on the code overlap theory. Code collisions come up when when you're like, oh, hey, they killed my the patch killed my patch. You hear people say that all the time. Like, oh, I had that for a while. I'm a red teamer. I hold it private so that I have, you know, whatever happens all the time. But not like, hey, I knew it was coming. So I, I did a quick wipeout of like an entire segment of the economy. So before we before everybody everybody poop is Craig, I want to be clear. Like, are you saying that there was a, a, a collision here of the accidental nature, or are you saying that there was a burning up the O day because they knew a patch was coming and figured it was better to use it now than risk it not? My being money any is good burning up the O day. That's kind of what I'm agreeing with there. It makes sense to me. But I will acknowledge here. What I will here, I want to acknowledge. We don't know, right? right. We don't know. We do not know. But if I were a Kaseya, I would be, I would have, I would have my IR firm through my entire network on a threat hunt because yeah, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. Like, or like, you- like the 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 chance that they they ran it four days before you published your patch is is mm-hmm. no. You can't afford as Kaseya to think oh, it was just a collision. You have to be. Or like, they've got an in- or they've got an insider. Right. Yeah. That's, that's any of that. Well, yeah. on the insider front, and the thing that came up over the weekend is that there was a report. All right, give me a second to get it. Are you going to go through the out, the outsourcing of the jobs move? Yeah, but I want to get the right yeah. sourcing because it's the only place that I saw it. So if it's wrong, yeah. I want to make sure that that uh, whoever. Yeah, I don't know the original source. I just saw the tweets. I do. About I it. have it. <clears throat> okay, Caitlin. I was talking to Caitlin. Um. So it was in Gadget. All right, so there was a there was a, an article over the weekend from Engadget, um, the, and we see this a lot. And so, I, and I don't put a lot of of weight on these sort of "I told you so" pieces, but it's it's employees say they were quit or fired for warning over security flaws at Kaseya. I don't know what Kaseya's environment is. I don't know how much of this is sour grapes or whatever. But an interesting statement inside of this this article is that they had actually move jobs from where they were to Belarus and and which has a really interesting relationship with 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 <laughs> with different places. So you get into like you get into those sort of like, you know, you just stack up all of these things and you're like it's just it's like you're trying to put yourself in a position where this happens. And that's and that's kind of what I'm saying. Like you can absolutely Collisions happen, happen all the time. Does that explain the timing? No. Could it have happened? Sure. Is it likely? No. So what has Kaseya's CSO said about all this? I don't know if they have a CSO. <laughs> I don't know what. I don't, the only thing I've heard was from the CEO, and they've been relatively quiet recently. I haven't looked at their updates uh, over the weekend. Um, they did get that patch. The patch, so they did uh, extend the patching out. It actually just went out. I want to say yesterday, so that would be the 11th of July. If you're listening, um, they've been a, a pretty good job of like keeping updates out. But like, it took them a while to bring back the SaaS service. They just now published yesterday the VSA service patches. Um, so. Rather, I mean, it did take him a little bit of extra time. Uh, I do remember seeing like all the tweets of like, "Well, we said Thursday, but we meant Friday." Oops, Saturday. Like they, you know, they took the time to make sure that they were getting things back online correctly. Presumably, uh, I give I give huge amounts of of leeway for people that are like in crisis response, shifting timelines. Like, right? Yeah, that's okay. I mean, it's frustrating if you're the if you're affected. Like, if you if you're waiting on this software to come up to kind of go to to run your enterprise or, or whatever but like that vendor has has one is suffering reputationally and has pretty much one chance to get it right out the door and if you if you rush out a patch and you miss a mitigation or a code path or a check or 
you do something silly, like it's a buffer overflow and you just make the buffer bigger, you know, that kind of stuff, right? That's not, that's that not where you want to go. You know, not that we've ever seen that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't appear from their website that they have a uh, CSO or a CISO. Hmm. Hmm. Huh. Greg, you had a statement on, on how to evaluate companies involving CISOs that I thought was pretty smart. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we've talked a lot in the past about how do people know if they want to do business with a company or if they take security effectively. <laughs> and I, I think this is a new one for the list, right? Like, does the company have a CISO? Is it someone who's been in the business for a bit, right? Do they know what they're doing? And if you haven't heard that list before, the other ones to look for are, do they publish CVEs, right? And more importantly, do they publish CVEs that are found externally? Because what that tells you is, do they play nice with the security community? Um, another thing to do is to click on them and read them and see if you think the severity is about right for the vulnerability and make sure it makes sense. Um, another thing to look for is a product security baseline. You know, product security baselines aren't magic. They're not going to solve anything by themselves. But what it tells you is that the company is trying to get better, right? Not every company these days invests in security. But if you see a company that has a CISO, that's publishing CVEs, that's patching security issues, that's rating them effectively, and they have a product security baseline that's basically, you know, the 10 or 20 things that they promise they're going to do less of going forward. Those are important things to look for. And again, they're not going to be a magic bullet, but they're going to help get rid of these low-hanging fruit that'll hopefully take away some of the advantage the attackers has when you look for things like supply chain uh, attacks through services. I think the, the an easy way to distill a lot of that list down, and it's one that you've mentioned um, many times, Craig, is not just looking for their um, security updates or discussing the, the CVEs themselves, but to actually go look for software update packages on the vendor's website and see if those mention specific security fixes as opposed to just feature updates or new functionality. Yeah, yeah that's that's super true, right? You know, look in those updates, read the readmes. Um, and this is probably great practice for any management software in general. Don't just apply a patch because it's out there. Read through it, see what's in there, make sure there's no known issues, look for a security update. Uh, you know, I would never run any software on any of my computers that wasn't from a major vendor with a security team that issued CVEs, that took security seriously, that had a CISO. And I know this sounds like stuff that most people aren't going to look into. So I know we're talking to like medium business here, but it's something you really should do if you have options, especially if you're looking at investing quite a bit of money in a management solution. Well, yeah, I mean, right now we have people saying, right, how do I protect myself from a supply chain attack? And like, a pretty serious answer is you can't, right? <laughs> like, yeah. like if if you're if 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 someone breaches a vendor that supplies automated updates to you and is able to incorporate malicious code into those automated updates, there's nothing you can do. Like you are going to receive that update, and that malicious software will be on your computer. Now, what happens from there is up to your security stance, right? How you know how how your heuristics work how segmented your network is, how good your controls are, if you have two-factor authentication, all that kind of goes into play there. Have you, you got the latest software? Are you doing memory protections to avoid privilege escalations and credential harvesting? But in terms of like that first state, like supply chain attacks are actor gets free starting computer in your network and then, then the fight starts, which is very unfair. And so the things that Craig are outlining, even though they sound like, oh, gosh, you know, how am I going to do this? Are your answers as things stand in this security environment? Are you concerned about supply chain? Then you need to analyze your supply chain and, and actually spend some time thinking this piece of chain in my supply. Do I need it or can I find a better mm. chain? Right. It, 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 if this is the third time this chain has been responsible for delivering malicious software to customers, maybe there's a different chain I can go and look at. Hey, you know <laughs> what? You just reminded me of another good one, right? If you're paying for audits from like an IR firm, ask them if they've ever seen the software you use as an entry point. You know, if you have the money to get that audit, give them a list of your software and ask them if you've seen any of it used in a supply chain attack or an exploits of unknown origin or anything like that. Um, uh, do we have any other uh, 
advice, any other insights for practitioners in this regard before we go back around table and, and start talking about our uh, closing I want to talks. expand on Craig's initial point, right? Craig's like, don't, if you're, if you're, if your vendor says you need to disable AV scanning in this directory, like don't trust them. And so what I would expand that is don't trust your vendors, period. <laughs> so when they're like, well, you have to run as admin, you're like, why did you write why? something that I have to run as yeah. admin? <laughs> why did you <laughs> do if, that? And if I have to do that, why do you think I'm going to connect you to my Active Directory? Like every time right. a vendor asks you to reduce your security, that should be a knock against them, right? And and at some point, you need to pick a different vendor, but certainly you need to treat that thing as hostile in your environment. And then like mm. if, if your air conditioning vendor comes in and says you need to hook this up to your Active Directory, oh, f off. I'm not going to put this on my Active Directory. <laughs> no, you're an air conditioning doing? You're right. Right? And so like and not because you have anything against that vendor. Here's the problem. It's like you have to not trust everybody. Right? And every time they ask you to do something dumb, you don't just do it because you paid that guy $100,000 for this service so you have to do what he says. You pay the guy $100,000, he better figure out how to do it in a way that's secure for your network. And it's a yeah. and it is a much more hostile approach to these partners, which is different than what we would like to do. I would like to have all of my partners just be pure partners and if they need something, sure, I'll help you. You're trying to help me, I'll help you. We'll get the thing up. It's running. Great. We're fine. Let's go. But now you're like, "No, you go in a box and you don't get any food. And if you're nice, I'll give you some water." <laughs> but that's it. Bring right. your own damn Cheetos if you're hungry. I'm not giving you anything. Oh, are we talking <laughs> about cloud now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I just got an email. I meant to, to, to screenshot it for you guys from Amazon. That was essentially the industrial control system Amazon offering. And I'm like, well, that air gap's really not working out for us nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> Joel, Craig, any, uh, any, any advice to... Uh, the end consumers of this, customers of MSPs to MSPs themselves? Yeah. Um, I think Matt hit the nail on the head when he said, don't trust your vendors, right? Um, the reality is there's not going to be one security system that's going to stop everything. There's never going to be a bulletproof security offering. Um, you've got to have layers of security and you've got to have layers of security in different places. And this particular scenario, the way our security products are built, we have multiple detection engines. Each one can be thought of like a different layer. And so if one engine isn't matching uh, based on whatever it's using, we have another one. And so we had luck with one uh, that worked great. But the reality was that was multiple layers of defense inside of a single product. Not every vendor is like that. And I think the more layers you can add in, the better. So have endpoint protection, have access control, don't run things as administrator, limit the amount of things that it can touch. You know, there's no reason that you should have these systems touching systems that they don't need access to ever. And if they're running, uh, you know, uh, an MSP managed service, you should probably have a very small number of machines that that's allowed to touch. You know, you don't need to have them manage everything probably. Um, and, and, you know, maybe some people do, but I guess my point is take layer defenses seriously, maximize the chance of your security software and security teams detecting something in your network. Don't just say, hey, I paid for this one thing. It's the best. It's going to detect everything because it may not. There's going to be cases where it doesn't detect everything. And then what are you going to do? Where are you going to see them? Or are they just going to have complete access to your network? It sucks right now. Like, just to be real clear, yeah. blue team. Yes, yes. It's the it's the dark time. Like that's it's just like like yeah. When 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 even your allies are your adversaries, you're in a you're in a rough spot, and 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 that's just that is where we are. But hey, put it in the cloud. <laughs> yeah, let it I'm sure it'll be fun. <laughs> do all your dumb things that you would do locally. Do them in the cloud. Yeah, yeah just, just click on them harder. All right. Any other final thoughts on Kaseya and this before we, we head back around the table, boys? I don't want to talk about Kaseya anymore. I, I just want to get one <laughs> thing in, right? Like, I, I think when we have these events happen, it's real easy to say, oh, that could never happen to my company. It can happen to anybody, right? Everybody lives in this world, and if an attacker finds a way in, 
they're getting in, right? And from what we've all seen, and there's some cases where, yeah, it looks like there may have been some mitigating circumstances, but the reality is this could happen to any one of your vendors at any time, and you've got to have systems in place to detect it. I mean, it should probably be a tabletop exercise. Hey, yeah, definitely. <laughs> the air conditioning what control if? unit, no longer right. yours. Yeah, or do exactly. a red team like like I've I've talked to some like I've talked to some really great uh, like one of my favorite conversations with the CISO, um, he was like we have four different red team companies we use and we rotate them through the year, so that we get different. Eyes. Yeah. I'm like all right, that's cool. And he's like and, and you know he was very proud of I'm like, but like I now I'd be like like knowing like, this was a conversation a little while ago. So but now I'd be yeah. like, have you ever just given that red team a box in your network and say go have fun? Like, what is it like, like, instead of making them beat your perimeter, def- your defenses or tricking someone to click an email or whatever else is go, you can have the air conditioning thing, anything on it's yours, go whatever you want. I don't care. Like, cause that's, that's supply chain. That's what it looks like. Like they, they get any box they want and they go for it. And then they do this. Th- yeah. That would actually be an interesting exercise. Like the, the, um, I don't know if I've ever like seen a write up on that, Matt, like, that type right. of red what are you talking about? Place. We have a write up on our blog right now. It went real poorly. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. That's fair enough. I want to uh, go around the table and, and get a, a closing thought and parting shot from everybody. But first, before we go around the table today, uh, I would like to put in a quick plug for a talk you have coming up, Matt, that I have seen some amazing promo videos for with the one and only Wendy Nather. If you want to mention that at black coming up at black hat, it's a black hat. There's a talk me and Wendy. Um, basically I went to the IR team and to some of my intelligence analysts. And I was like, if you could tell, you know, a CISO, anything you wanted, you don't have to be nice. What are the five things you'd, you'd tell that CISO? Um, and it was basically, you know, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Why don't you do this? We keep saying this. It doesn't. So Wendy's gonna Wendy's gonna defend why CISOs never back up anything, and I'm gonna be like, why don't you back <laughs> up things? And it'll be a good old rope and rumble back and with, back and with, forth. Oh, it's know. gonna be a rumble. I've seen the promo Hall videos of Famer, Wendy Nather. Yes, who friend of the show is a good friend of the show, and who. You have been trading uh, sword theme barbs with. I didn't start so. it. One. <laughs> I like. I like that. That's your. That's your, wasn't my fault. Well, look. If you, you know, I didn't start Wendy the last started. one either. Just to point that out. <laughs> you seem to be a magnet for these things. People see. People nowadays think you can make sword threats and you get away with it. Because <laughs> they're like nobody has swords, and then they sword threat, and I'm like, I have quite the array of bladed. I weaponry. have several, yeah. <laughs> yes, and I will add, Matt's swords are not uh, replicas or of the costume or cosplay variety. No, they're beat to hell from real use. I mean, <laughs> I know it was a couple million downloads ago, but like, does nobody remember bring your sword to work day? Like that was a big deal. Did we talk deal. about that on this podcast? Yeah, no, we've never yes. talked about it on the podcast. No, we did. We think. made. We had hashtags oh, on Twitter. Have. Oh yeah, we may have told the story about it. Yeah, we. we I'm have pretty told sure. The, uh, I mean, I don't know if Mitch cut it. Like maybe he did. No, no way, Mitch. Bring would your cut sword. That. Bring your sword to work day happened well before. Oh, it happened well before podcast. the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we were in the other building still. Really? Yeah, yeah bring yeah, your sword oh, to work day was before the, the back, podcast. The we have talked about bringing your sword I, to work day, though. I remember it distinctly. We have pictures. I believe uh, we offered to discuss it in depth on the podcast once, and that was the only way we were going to bring her on. But That's true. That seems accurate. I don't think that actually All happened. Right. But even so let's go around the table. On. Let's get a closing thought and a parting shot from everyone this fine Monday now afternoon. Matt. What? You're up first. Closing thought. Parting shot. Um, YouTube channel, Royal Institute. Pretty cool um, set of science videos. Sort of my, like, you know, headed to sleep, disengaged from reality, fodder for brains to keep it from thinking about shit while I'm trying to sleep. Um, really good. A lot of physics content. A lot of good demonstrations. Huge backlog of quality 
quality presentations. Um, good stuff. So, so your way to disengage from reality is yes. to study science. I mean, have you studied quantum <laughs> mechanics? It's pretty disengaged from reality. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joel, parting shot. Closing uh, thought. You know, I don't. I don't have one. I really. I got nothing. I've tried to pay attention to this Kaseya thing while I was gone, and that was kind of a mistake because my brain couldn't process it. Uh, and it, you know, and I had other things to worry about. So it was just kind of like, I guess we'll see next week, guys. We'll see. We'll see what's going on. But I think there's still a lot of dirt coming out about this. Um, even today, I saw some stuff about Twitter this morning on Twitter this morning about some internal workings of the company. So it's, I think the, the, the other shoe hasn't dropped here yet, but we'll see. As Matt is swallowing a conundrum of a puzzle. I think he, sp- he spit it out. He didn't swallow it. Spit. I spit hot conundrums. I spit hot conundrums. Craig, parting shot, closing thought. What's going on? Uh, man, I, I really hope my kid did give me a cold, but it's it's feeling like it more so by the minute. Do you live <laughs> in a plague house? Isn't this every week that we do these reports? It's the same one. Like, no, like, no, we haven't had like a cold in a while. Kid. We've had food poisoning, we've had vomiting, yeah. and we haven't, like on separate occasions, and we haven't had a cold in a minute, though. Dude, one kid gave it to the other kid, so now we're going on like week two, and like, you know if I'm going to get it, then Rika's going to get it, and then we'll have like week three. This is going to be great. I've just something decided just I, doesn't seem right, right? Like it's just something's not lining up correctly. <laughs> there is no like chronic cold syndrome that I'm aware of, though. Like, <laughs> so wait, Mitch, you're forgetting allergies. That's a real thing That's for true some people. Too. Yeah, sinus infections <laughs> from allergies are a real thing. Like I live in Florida, I I totally understand that one. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for joining us today. Uh, Craig, hope the fam feels better. And if you have any questions or issues about this, tweet Joel. He is obviously wanting to talk to everybody else about this a lot more today. So the more technical questions, the better. Reference the manual pages and everything. (laughs) So thank you all for joining us. Remember to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. And until next time... We'll see you soon. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Craig, why don't you say bye? Craig hates the listeners. <laughs>